just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It's Friday. We're headed into yet another weekend. Thursday was a little hinky or sketchy for the Republicans and Donald Trump. (laughs) Kind of interesting, and we'll talk about that in the first story on this podcast. But before I do that, I want to give you a heads up. Because today, this Friday, there is going to be an extra podcast. There's this podcast, of course, which is what you'd expect. But there's another podcast. And I need to warn you that that podcast is kind of a departure from what you're used to hearing on the Rational Boomer podcast. It's a lot different, actually. And the reason it's different is because I did something I promised I would never do. And I thought, man, I can't do that. I said I would never do that. Then I realized, my fucking show. I can do whatever the hell I want. So I did. I got an email a couple of weeks back from a gentleman. I don't even know who he was. He says, listen, I have a client that wants to be a guest on the Rational Boomer podcast. I thought it was weird because I've never gotten an email like that. Nobody said, I want to be on your show. So part of me was kind of flattered, but I thought, well, what's this a fucking about? So the guy tells me he has this client that's a psychologist and he has this book. I go, whoa, whoa. You know, that's that's where I've said I don't want to just have guys coming on selling books. So he asked me, he says, well, why don't you look into the guy and maybe talk to him? So I do that, and uh, we exchange some emails. Seems like a nice enough guy. I get the premise of what he's talking about in terms of uh, uh, psychology, and I start thinking about it. I go, well, this is interesting. You have to understand in my life, whether it be business, relationships, or even this show, psychology plays a big part of it. Like I said in this podcast with him, I grew up with a father who was a narcissist, sociopathic, pathological liar. When I was a little kid, he would go off the deep end and scare the shit out of me. So when I was growing up, I was watching him, watching all the cues in his face and his words and the way he stood because I wanted to avoid him losing his shit on me. So I learned to pay close attention. And by paying attention, I realized I could manipulate him a little bit in the sense when I know he was going to the dark side, I could pull him off of that and try something different, try to distract him. And it actually worked pretty well. So psychology is something I've used in my business and almost in everything. And I'm not a psychologist. You know, I went to school, college for one year, so I'm not an educated guy in that sense. It was just all learning by doing all of my life. So when I was looking into the psychologist, I thought, you know, this is interesting. I think a lot of people out there don't look deep enough at what's going on around them. And if they did, they might have a different perspective. So I said, fuck it. I'll talk to this guy. His, his, his uh, name is Peter Quarry. And he is a, um, he's a psychologist from Australia. I thought right away, cool. He's from Australia. I got an Australian guest on. But still, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. But I thought to myself, hey, we can do the interview. If it sucks, I just won't run it. Won't tell anybody about it. No big deal. No harm, no foul. But if it sounds good, I will run it. So I spent an hour talking to this gentleman, and it was very interesting to me. He's a good guy. He's a smart guy, and he had some interesting insights, some ideas that will help people deal with whatever problems they have, and he had an interesting strategy to do that. So as I'm talking to him, I'm thinking, yeah, this is pretty good. This isn't bad. It's nothing like the Rational Boomer podcast, but I think there's some people out there that might get some value out of it. So I said, fuck it. We did the interview, and I'm going to play it. It's going to show up in the... uh, stream of podcast after this one. So what I want to do is have you make sure that you listen to it because I think it's good. And I really want your input about that. Uh, 
uh, as I say, it's a departure from what you're normally used to hearing. So I might think it sucks. I think it's good. But I'd like to hear what your feedback on it is. If you liked it, if you thought about these departure shows as a value or not, would you rather I just stick with what I stick with? I mean, Trust me, I'm not changing anything about the Rational Boomer podcast, but from time to time I might do an extra one like I do with Ed or like I do with the listener. Now, (laughs) what I did was (laughs) with this guy, I'm talking to him and I said, "Have, have you ever even heard the show? I mean, have you listened to the show? And he says, no, but I will. And I said, you kind of have to. Because I have a rule that mostly the people who are on my show are listeners. Now, if you listen to one podcast, one of my podcasts, then theoretically, you are a listener. And then I'll feel better about it. And you might have a better sense about what the podcast is about. Because as much as I don't know what I'm getting into, you definitely don't know what you're getting into. (laughs) So he listened. We did the show. And it's coming up after this one. So I would suggest you take a listen and let me know what you think. Was it valuable to you? Was it entertaining? Was it worth doing? All right. Let's talk about the shit that's going on. And uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. Of course, we had the the, um, student loan payment forgiveness with Joe Biden. We talked about that yesterday. I've got some other insights here that we'll talk about that later in the program. But yesterday, a federal judge who signed off on the FBI search for classified documents at former Donald, former President Donald Trump's Florida home has ordered a redacted version of the affidavit justifying it to be released by noon today. So it might have already been released by the time you hear this program. But if not, it's coming. Now, this is interesting. You know, they wanted the search warrant released. All the Republicans said, we got to see the search warrants. That'll tell us a lot of stuff. And so they did. And it didn't tell them shit. So the next step was, you got to release the affidavit. We want to see all the misdeeds done by the DOJ. They had no reason to do this. And, of course, the DOJ said, look, man, we don't want to release that. We've got a lot of people that were informants on there. We don't want to expose their names. And we've got a lot of processes and strategies for gathering this evidence. And in this, there's going to be a lot of evidence, too. We're still in the middle of the investigation. We haven't indicted anybody yet. We don't want to give away all this information prior to going to trial. Because when you get to trial, of course, there'll be discovery and they'll have to give that up. But they want to hold it close to the vest until such time they have to go to trial. Now, a lot of people think that uh, Donald Trump forced this issue, that he was fighting to get this released because he thinks it will vindicate him. It won't. It'll do just the opposite. But the fact of the matter is Donald Trump wasn't pushing for this at all. As much as he was talking about it, Donald Trump and his people around him did not file a motion to get this done. So they were talking big, but they didn't really want it out there because all it can do is make them look bad. The people that were really behind getting this released was the media. Now, the media wants it released for obvious reasons. They want the information. They want it now. They want to make news. They want to get the clickbait going. They want to get people stirred up and fucking crazy. Now, it's funny While all this was going on, the Republicans were saying the same thing, too. The DOJ had no right to go into Donald Trump's house. We need to see the affidavit. Now, here's the thing. The Republicans definitely don't want to see the affidavit because it's going to show a lot of evidence and it's going to show a lot of things that prove Donald Trump is fucking a crook. They didn't want that. And they didn't expect that it would be released. They figured, okay, we'll demand it. And then when it doesn't get released, we'll say, see, they were covering this up. They covered it up. Well, as the old saying goes, be careful what you ask for because you just might get it. So now they're going to release the affidavit, much to the chagrin of the Republicans and to the DOJ. And and 
the the thing to consider about this is they're going to have to have it redacted. They're going to black out different portions of it. Now, the original thought was that when they redact it like that, it'll be impossible to read. It will mean nothing. So the DOJ had a day or two to redact it, submit it to the judge. The judge sees it and says, cool, we're going to release it Friday, today. Well, that was quick. And apparently he thought, even though it was redacted, there was enough information that it would be valuable. Well, that puts a different spin on this. We've got this document coming out, and it's going to lay out some very interesting shit. I presume that the people who are the informants, their names will be blacked out for obvious reasons, because the Trump fucks can't be trusted not to threaten and maybe harm them. So they're probably going to black that out. And there'll be other things that, that of course, the DOJ wants blacked out. But there's going to be a lot of information in there. And I'll promise you this, not one bit in that document is going to be a positive for Donald Trump or the Republicans. The fact is, it's probably going to be very damning. For as much as they were screaming about this document, they are going to be sorry about it when it finally does come out. Now, prosecutors had argued against releasing the document because doing so would likely hurt the criminal investigation they continue to pursue. It's not clear if the Department of Justice will appeal the order, which would likely delay the release. Now, they could do that, but and maybe they will. But here's the thing. As much as Merrick Garland doesn't want this released for the purposes of a potential trial, there's got to be part of him that says, fuck yeah, let's do it. I mean, he's been getting all this hate and all these lies thrown around that he did this illegally and he had no reason to do it. Now, when this document comes out, it'll lay out exactly why they chose to do it, what the evidence of a crime was, and vindicate him for actually going in. So part of him doesn't want it released, but I'm thinking Merrick Garland does partially want it released to vindicate him. And, of course, what that's going to do is it's going to devastate Donald Trump and it's going to devastate the Republicans, and they are fucked. Now, in his two-page order filed at the federal courthouse in West Palm Beach, Florida, Thursday afternoon, Magistrate Judge Bruce Reinhardt said he accepts the redactions that the prosecutors have made to the warrant as narrowly tailored to serve the government legitimate interest in the integrity of the ongoing investigation and are the least onerous alternative to sealing the entire affidavit. Trump's staff did not immediately respond to HuffPost's request for comment, and Trump himself had not, by late afternoon, posted anything on a social media platform about Reinhardt's decision. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Very quiet, Donald Trump. That's uncharacteristic of that dumb fuck. The former president has publicly demanded the release of the unredacted affidavit, but did not make that request in court. See what I mean? He said, yeah, we want it out. We want it out. But he never made the motion, so he didn't really want it out. FBI agent Sir Trump's tennis and social club in Palm Beach on August 8th took away boxes of material, including 11 packets of classified documents among that set was a batch labeled with the highest classification markings, meant for review only in secure government facilities. Now, Trump, who had already been attacking the FBI and prosecutors for investigating his actions on and leading up to the January 6, 2021 coup attempt, has ramped up criticism for law enforcement. His followers have responded by threatening FBI agents and the Department of Justice. And one Trump supporter has already was killed in a shootout with police after he tried to attack the FBI field office in Cincinnati. Now, in addition to the federal criminal investigations, a Georgia prosecutor is separately investigating Trump and his allies and their attempts to coerce state officials who are falsely declaring him a winner in the state. And it sounds like this is coming to the end, too. Fonnie Willis, lovely Fonnie Willis. She is a woman not to be trifled with. And she may very well be the first one to issue an indictment for Donald Trump. 
They're getting very close there. And it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. Now, Trump, despite losing the election by 7 million votes nationally in 306 to 232 in the Electoral College, became the first president in more than two centuries of elections to refuse to hand over power peacefully. And that's where the trouble began. That's where the trouble began. And ever since then, he's been fucking up. You know, the fake electors, the insurrection, and now the situation with these documents. And it's really troubling, this whole situation. And as I've told you before, I have a feeling that not only does the DOJ have an idea of how he took them, when he took them, what he did with them when he brought them to Mar-a-Lago, but I have a feeling they might have some evidence that he absolutely used this and showed this to people that we shouldn't be showing them to, like adversarial countries like uh, Saudi Arabia or Russia. He probably owes Russia a lot of money, (laughs) and by getting them these documents, he might be able to make himself whole. Saudi Arabia, on the other hand, remember, just out of the blue gave Jared Kushner $2 billion, gave Paul Manafort a billion dollars. Well, they're wealthy and they have a lot of money and a billion dollars may not be big to them, but uh, nobody gives you $2 billion for nothing. Something had to change hands. And since Donald Trump had these things in his basement of all fucking places, you got to wonder if there wasn't something there that happened with those documents. And I have a feeling that Merrick Garland, when this all shakes out, may have some proof of Donald Trump using these in a bad way. And if that occurs, all bets are off. You can't help but indict Donald Trump over something like this. This is tantamount to treason. This is, and I, and I know people will say, well, you got to be in a war for it to be treason. The bottom line is Donald Trump is a traitor. Everything he's done suggested that. I mean, when you think about Donald Trump, all the lies, all the bullshit, all the corruption and criminality, that's one thing. But here's a guy that helped mount and incited an insurrection, an attempt to overthrow our country. And then on top of it, he takes these documents out of the White House illegally, brings them down to Mar-a-Lago, holds on to them. The National Archives said, hey, dude, we want those fucking things back. We want them back. And he says, no, we gave them all back to you. A lawyer writes a document. The other lawyer signs and says, yep, there's no more here. And then as luck would have it, they have the search warrant. They go down and there was more there, a lot more, up to 20 boxes more that Donald Trump refused to give back. Now, Donald Trump will go on and say, you know, all they had to do was ask nicely and I would give it back. Well, Donald, why did you have them in the fucking first place? Nobody's been able to come up with one simple answer that makes sense as to why he had them. The only thing you can possibly believe is he had them to, well, two things. Because Donald Trump is a child, and he said, well, I got all these cool documents. That's possible. But Donald Trump doesn't do anything unless he's making a buck or has leverage over somebody. And these documents are very valuable to certain people, certain countries. And they offer some leverage. Who knows what's in those documents? Well, the DOJ now knows. Now, you remember Donald Trump also uh, filed a motion uh, to get all these documents back. Somehow, some way, he thinks he owns these things. These are owned by the U.S. government. Donald Trump never owned them. He never had a right to take them out of the White House. But he did, and somehow he thinks they're still his. He's going around talking to people on a staff saying, you need to get these back. Fucking do it. We need to get these things back. They think they're theirs. They're mine. No, Donald, they aren't yours. And everybody around you knows that. And that's one of the things we'll see in these documents. Apparently, a lot of his staff, a lot of the uh, attorneys around him said, Don, you got to give this shit back. You got to give it back. And Don kept saying, no, it's mine. It's mine. It's like a child, you know. They get a, a toy and they start walking around and they say, hey, little guy, come here. Can I take a look at that toy? And the first thing they do, they look you square in the eyes and say, mine. You're not getting it. 
And that's Donald Trump. He thinks anything he sees, touches, or is tied to him in any way is something he owns. And that can be documents, that can be generals in the Pentagon, that can be um, congressmen, could be fucking anything. And Donald Trump is just fucking lost. I mean, he has no clue what he's doing. They give Joe Biden trouble about not knowing where he is or not being able to say the things he needs to say. But Donald Trump is far worse than Joe Biden ever was. I mean, Joe Biden's having a good couple of weeks. Donald Trump's having some real bad weeks as of late. He um, He's a problem, and he has real serious problems going on. So this document is coming out. And it can only spell bad news for Donald Trump. There is no information in this document that is going to be beneficial for Donald Trump. But, you know, that's what they do. They try to create chaos. They try to create a delay by asking for another thing and another thing and another thing. But they stepped in at this time. They've been demanding this affidavit, and it's coming out. Albeit redacted, but it's coming out. And there will be information in this that will be devastating to Donald Trump and the Republicans. And they will rue the day that they said, yeah, we want to see it. See, like I say, they never believed that a judge would allow them to see it. And granted, it's redacted. Now, I will tell you one other ploy they will do. They'll be mad that it's released. They won't like it because it won't make them look good. But they can't say that they're covering up unless they say, oh, yeah, they released it and it's bad here and it's bad there, but they redacted it. So they're hiding all the information that would would uh, show that we're not guilty. That's what they'll do. They're going to push the goalposts back a little bit farther and it'll come out and it'll be horrible and they'll be shitting themselves. But they'll say, yeah, but that redacted stuff, that's the stuff that would vindicate us. So they're hiding it. Guarantee you that's what they say, because that's how they do everything. But don't believe it. See, this is this is the thing that always amazed me. They keep saying Put out the affidavit. Put out the affidavit. It'll make them look bad. Well, who wrote the fucking affidavit? The DOJ. Do you really think the DOJ wrote a document that's going to make them look bad? I don't think so. (laughs) That's how oblivious these people are. They feel like they just want to complain and argue and try to delay it as much as they can. But once it comes out, there's nothing they can say. You can't unring that bell, and it's not going to be good. And I'll be honest with you, I'm a little excited about seeing it because I think there's going to be some revelations in there uh, if we can dig them out between the redactions that are going to be a problem for Donald Trump. We are at a point right now where things are changing quickly. You know, we kept hearing about how Biden's poll numbers were shit, like in the 30s. And remember, I told you, when we get to the midterms and assuming the Democrats win and we start getting things done, things will change in terms of polls for Joe Biden. Well, guess what? This week, Joe Biden has gone from like 36 percent favorability to 44%. And why is that? Well, he's getting shit done. Whether you like it or not, he's got the CHIP Act. He got the PAC Act. He got the infrastructure bill. He got the COVID relief bill. He got the forgiveness for the student loan payments. There is no president in the history of this country that has done as much as Joe Biden has done in two years. You can, you know, distract or divert it any way you want or distort it any way you want. But nobody's done more than Joe Biden. Now, I will say that Joe Biden could do more, should have done more. But you can't blame the guy if he's done more than everybody else in history. All we can hope is that this trend, the trend that we're seeing now where people are kind of shifting to the left because of all the bullshit with 
Donald Trump and the Republicans, that it continues that way. And I'll be honest, when this document comes out, it's going to help move the needle on this one, too. People are finally going to start seeing really the problems that we have with the Republican Party. And not to mention the other investigations, there's like four major investigations going on, and they're all about ready to fall right on Donald Trump's head. And in the process, the Republicans will take a beating as well, especially those people that still support Donald Trump. Mitch McConnell has all but given up on the Senate. He sees that they'll lose the Senate. I'm thinking maybe 53 will be the number for the Democrats when it's all said and done. And if that's the case, Joe Manchin and Cinema don't count anymore, and they'll be able to do way more than they've ever been able to do in the past, unless whoever gets in decides, I'm going to make a power play. If that's the case, somebody needs to put them in their fucking place. We need to get things done if we hope to have a Democrat in the White House in 2024. I don't see how that doesn't happen right now. I really don't see how that doesn't happen. Uh, But, you know, like I've said before, two years is a long time. Shit can change. Things can happen. Problems can arise. Let's just make sure that we get through the midterms and get the get the expanded margins in the House and the Senate, do a lot of good stuff for the people of this country, and then ride that wave into 2024. So this document is going to be released. We don't really know what's going to be in it, and we don't know how much of the redactions are going to hide some of this from us. But inevitably, there will be some bad shit in there for Donald Trump and the Republicans. So just sit back and wait. And I suspect when we talk again, uh, not the next podcast, the next podcast is a psychologist, but the podcast after that for tomorrow, we're going to be talking about a lot of shit that went down today with this document, because you know it'll be all over the fucking news. So I'm looking forward to that. That should be an interesting conversation. And of course, once we know, we will get to it and we will talk about it right here on the Rational Boomer podcast. All right, let's take a quick break and we will be right back. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right. Ever since Joe Biden announced his student loan forgiveness plan, the Republicans have been literally apoplectic. They are fucking angry. They're angry for a couple of reasons. First of all, it makes Joe Biden look good, and they don't like that. He's helping millennials and Gen Zs and Gen Xs and even some boomers at this point. And that's going to play well for him when we come to the election, the midterms especially. Now, as I've said, Joe Biden didn't go far enough for my taste when it comes to the student loan forgiveness. But... He did it with an executive order, so he felt like he had some limitations, and uh, that's why he did what he did. Okay, fair enough. I don't agree with it. I don't think it really helps the way he wanted it to help. But here's the thing. What he did was the largest help to students and their loans in the history of this country. Well, maybe that's because this government never really did much at all to help kids with student loans. That's why we were in a situation where kids are just paying ridiculous amounts of money. I saw a tweet. I did a TikTok about this, and I found it kind of interesting. Well, here's a couple things I will tell you about it. First of all, in this tweet, um, I think his name is Kwashim Rashid. I think that's who it is. He's a TikToker. I've seen him before. He's very good at what he does. But he tweeted out something that I thought was very interesting. He said, if you went back to 1968, the cost of tuition for one year was $300. The average 
yearly pay for somebody was about $7,700. So $300 to go to college for a year, uh, the average person making $7,700 for the year. Now, in 2022, the average cost of college for a year or university is $11,000. That's quite a jump from three hundred. dollars And the average income is $52,000. Now, if you figured out the cost of college and have it grow the same amount that income grew, then college for a year should be $2,025. But instead, we're at $11,000. You see what happened? The cost of college went up exponentially faster than our income did. So when you were making $7,700 and you paid $300 for college, you were getting a way better deal and a way more affordable deal then than we are now. That's why kids have fifty, seventy-five, dollars $100,000 loans sitting out there and working jobs making thirty or forty grand. That doesn't make any financial sense. You know, the way the education business is working and the loan companies are working, I would almost say, let's boycott going to fucking college. I mean, literally, there are things you can do nowadays that don't force you to go to college. When I was 18 years old, going to college was a foregone conclusion. Nobody thought anybody could do anything unless you had a college degree. And it didn't matter what kind of college degree you had, English, journalism, uh, College of Liberal Arts, none of that was really good for anything, but somehow people felt like you go to college and you show you can do it, so that'll help you get a better job, which is absolute bullshit. But in this day and age now, especially with technology and those sorts of things, you can go online and take certifications and get pretty good jobs. In fact, I know my son is working on a certification right now, hopefully to get him to the next step in his destiny, if you will, his pathway. Um, But you can do that. Now, he did go to college for four years, and it hasn't helped him much, which isn't surprising. So you have to wonder, if it makes no financial sense, why would the average Joe go to college? Now, if you want to be a doctor or a lawyer or that sort of thing, that's different. You got to do what you got to do. But over and above that, as I mentioned before, we've got a serious shortage in tradesmen and tradeswomen. You know, plumbers, electricians, construction folks, those kind of things. I mean, you try to get a plumber in your house and try to get them in before, without waiting two months to have it done. It's hard, man. It's I've done it. It's fucking hard. You think you're going to call somebody up and say, yeah, I'll pay you to come on in. You'd think they'd be excited and rush right over. No. They got 9 million things going on. So if I'm a young man and I have an aptitude to work with my hands or a young woman who has the aptitude to work with their hands, I'm going to be a tradesman because you're going to come out, be working right away, making 50, 75 bucks an hour and doing really well. So the idea of having to go to college, incur $100,000 in debt so you can get a job that pays you 40,000 bucks a year makes no fucking sense. If we can't count on the government uh, to bring down the prices or the interest rates, if we can't count on the education system or the loan companies to do what's right, there's only one way to make them drop their prices and make them less greedy, get them less business. Like I said, when I first went to school, I went for a year in college and I said, fuck it, I'm just going to do what I do. I wanted to be in radio. I got a radio job. I said, fuck it, I'm going to do that probably not the smartest move for me at the time, but I'm 18, 19 years old. What the fuck do I know? So um, the point is, is why go to college? Unless you are specifically doing something that requires a college degree of some sort, there's really no point in doing it. It's a waste of fucking money. I know with my son, my youngest son, who went four years to college, incurred about $40,000 worth of debt. Um, what good is that doing him now? Not really anything. So now he's taking the certification so he can get into the fields with IT and all that sort of stuff. And there's a lot more potential there. There's a lot more jobs and they pay a lot better. So it's the smart thing to do. So instead of going down that path, incurring this debt for no reason, 
maybe bypass college and uh, go another route. Now, I'm not telling everybody you shouldn't go to college. It's a bad thing. It is a good thing for certain people. But try to explain to me how when you create 50000 to to $100,000 of debt to get a shitty job. That makes no sense. Financially, that's stupid. So don't fucking do that. But here's the thing. <laughs> I kind of went afield there for a little bit. But when Joe Biden announced this student loan forgiveness, the Republicans lost their shit. The White House on Thursday publicly called out Reps Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates and other Republican lawmakers who were criticizing student loan debt relief. And why did they call them out? Because <laughs> they're hypocrites. They're hypocrites. Many of these Republican congressmen and women, maybe some senators, many of them benefited, see if you remember, the PPP loans. This was the Paycheck Protection Program during the pandemic. And what that was intended to do is to keep your workers on the payroll so you could maintain them during the pandemic if you were shut down or what have you. And so when it was over, you could pick it right back up to speed. But most people didn't fucking do that. So that's why we have a shortage of people now. They just let them go. I'm going to keep the money, do something with it, which is illegal. But they did it. And a lot of them are getting in trouble over it now. Um, and so the thing about these PPP loans is they are forgiven. I'll give you an example. Who's the loudest about this student Debt forgiveness. Well, there's Marjorie Taylor Greene. But did you know that Marjorie Taylor Greene got a $183,504 in PP loans and it was forgiven? The White House tweeted that. They've been kind of savage about this. Okay, you want to talk shit about the student loan forgiveness? What about you, bitch? You took $183,000 and it was forgiven. Um, in 2020... Marjorie Taylor Greene's construction company received upwards of 100 or 182,000 in loans that did not have to be paid back according to ProPublica database including interest the total amount forgiven was $183,504. Greene's office did not immediately return a request for comment. Well, no shit. That's the thing about Republicans are so fucking stupid. I mean, they own themselves. They had to know that somebody was going to come back and say, yeah, but, but they don't. Now, conservatives have been up in arms about the Biden administration's plan to help dig low and middle income earners out from under the enormous cost of American college education. Many Republican politicians have painted it as unfair handout to wealthy people who chose to attend college. The White House also shared criticisms of the student loan forgiveness plan from another Republican House lawmaker alongside the amounts they were forgiven in PPE loans, with some landing upwards to a million dollars. Matt Gates got $487,000 forgiven. Mike Kelly got $987,000 forgiven. Kevin Hearns, $1 million forgiven. Mark Wayne Mullen, $1.4 million forgiven. Vern Buchanan, I don't even know who the fuck he is. He's a congressman, $2.3 million. And the list of Republicans that got forgivable PP loans goes on and on. <laughs> you see what they're saying here is they're saying as long as we put money in our pockets, even though we've got money in position, that's cool. But it's different. The moment we give money back to the people, the middle class, the people that are struggling, that actually need the help, well, that's a bridge too far. You can't do that. And that is the essence of what the Republican Party is. They want to fill their pockets, fill the pockets of their buddies that are rich. And where are they getting the money from? From you, from you, from your taxes. 
that's where they're getting them from. So they're all about <clears throat> using you to pay the rich or the powerful the money that they don't fucking need. And that's why the Republicans can't win in the midterms. This is now finally being exposed. This has been something that's gone on for decades and decades and decades. But people are apathetic and they've kept it on the DL. But that's one of the things the Republicans and Donald Trump have done now. They brought all this toxicity up to the service, surface where we can see it. And uh, it's not wearing well for them. It's just not wearing well for them. And uh, if you're wondering, well, do they, is there really an impact to these Republicans? I mean, are they feeling some negativity about the shit they do? And I'm glad to tell you, yeah, they fucking are. Now, in an urgent conference call this week with major donors, Republican National Committee Chair Rona McDaniel pleaded uh, pleaded for more funds to prop up struggling GOP Senate candidates. Politico reported, even as Donald Trump himself sits on $120 million in contributions, he's keeping it all for himself. Of course he is. Now, if Donald Trump raises $120 million, theoretically, as a leader of the Republican Party, he should be handing out some money to help his cause, help the Republicans. But, of course, Donald Trump does not do that because he's going to pocket all this money. All the Trump fucks that send him $120 million threw it down the toilet because that's what Donald Trump is going to do with it. He's going to feed his extravagant lifestyle off these campaign funds. And since he hasn't actually said that he's running for the presidency, he can do whatever he wants with that money. And what he doesn't want to do is give it to the Republican Party to help them out. And the funny thing is that they, the Republican Party is having trouble with money. I don't know if you heard about this situation. Uh, Rick Scott, he is the um, chairman of the Senate for the midterms. He's the one setting the plan for what the Republican senators believe and want to see happen. And, of course, we know that he's he's talking about getting rid of Medicare and Social Security and all those sorts of things. Just stupid shit. I can't believe you put that on fucking paper. That is a a loser for him all the way. But here's the thing. Now, Rick Scott was part of a company, a large company, that was was fined like a billion plus for Medicare fraud. Yeah, Rick Scott and his company defrauded Social Security or Medicare or something like that, and they had to pay a fine of $1.6 billion, something like that. So what do the Republicans do? They say, let's put Rick Scott in charge of our campaign funding. He's a big money guy. He'll handle it. The guy who ripped off the government is now going to be the man who oversees the Republicans' money. You see the stupidity in all this? Well, anyway, now all of a sudden, they at one point had a lot of money, and they were looking pretty good and competitive with the Democrats. But all of a sudden, they've run out of money. They're having to cut back on their advertising in various elections around the country. And they are shitting their pants over it. And this is why Rana, Rona or Rana McDaniel is begging, absolutely begging for more funds from the people. Here's the problem, Rona, Rana, whatever the fuck your name is. Donald Trump is tapping these people out. Everybody's sending Donald Trump the money and he ain't sharing. Now, McDaniel said this. She said, we absolutely have better candidates and a better message. Oh, you mean like Dr. Oz, Herschel Walker, J.D. Vance? Those guys, you have better candidates? Yeah, I don't think so. McDaniel reportedly insisted in what appeared to be a rebuttal of Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell's complaint last week about the lack of quality of some Republican Senate candidates. And he's absolutely right. Those three I mentioned are case in point. 
But we do need financial firepower to drive our efforts, said McDaniel, who was joined by former House Speaker Newt Gingrich, who is a criminal, and he is the reason why all this shit started. According to a recording that was obtained by Politico of a 36-minute call on Wednesday. So Rona McDaniel put this, put this out there in a call begging for money. McDaniel claimed that small donors had been decimated by the economy, so the GOP has to spend even more than it usually does on wealthy backers. She also said the Republicans hailed overturning Roe v. Wade was a massive boost to contributions to the Democratic Party and its candidates. Wait a minute. (laughs) McDaniel says that overturning Roe v. Wade has massively boosted the contributions to the Democratic Party and its candidates. Can you take a hint here that maybe you made the wrong choice? You stepped on your own dick here by overturning Roe v. Wade? I can't believe they don't finally see that. Maybe they are starting to get a hint about it. I think Mitch McConnell knows, but Mitch McConnell, as evil as that motherfucker is, he's certainly a lot smarter than this McDaniel woman or any of the other Republicans like Rick Scott. She went on to say, please help us invest in these Senate races. Give to any of these Senate candidates, all of these Senate candidates, if you can, so all of them can be on TV. McDaniel reportedly pleaded. McConnell conceded last week that the Senate might not be as easily retaken by Republicans as initially expected. McConnell said, I think there's a prob- probably a greater likelihood the House flips than the Senate, and even that is questionable. Senate races are just different. They're statewide. Candidate quality has a lot to do with the outcome. Now, McConnell didn't specify which candidates he believes are challenged in regard to quality. His dig, however, reflected the increasing frustration in the GOP about controversial Republican Senate candidates with little or no experience championed by Trump. You see, that's the thing. The guys that Donald Trump endorses are the most fucked up, the most crazy. And this is what I told you a long time ago. Donald Trump's going to endorse people in these primaries, and they're probably going to win. Now, a lot of Democrats are shitting their pants going, oh, my God, Donald Trump's being successful. No, no, no. We want those dumb fucks to win because they'll be easier to beat with the Dem- by the Democrats. Now, in some primary elections, there's a lot of stumbling going on. Those include Dr. Oz, who's running against Democratic Pennsylvania Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman. He's getting beat soundly. Ohio Senate candidate J.D. Vance, who's running against Democratic Representative Tim Ryan. <clears throat> now, A Republican should be winning that race in Ohio. But Tim Ryan is leading J.D. Vance because he's pretty much absent from the whole thing. J.D. Vance is not only running a shitty campaign, he's running no campaign. And then, of course, there's football star Herschel Walker, who's running for the Senate in Georgia against incumbent Democrat Raphael Warnock. Now, Raphael Warnock is a very intelligent man. He is a clergyman, I think. And there's all this talk about Herschel and uh, Warnock having debates. But for whatever reason, Herschel Walker is afraid of getting in a debate with Raphael Warnock. And he should be afraid because Herschel Walker is unhinged, he's stupid, and he's just weird. He says the fucking dumbest stuff like he was complaining about the Inflation Reduction Act and how the climate change was in that act and that they were going to spend money on more trees, which isn't true. And Herschel Walker said, I think we've got enough trees. Jesus Christ, you've got to be kidding me. Now, Trump responded to McConnell's quality comment on Truth Social which is also having some problems. They may not be around very long. They owe some people some big money, and they can't pay it. But we'll talk about that another day. But Donald Trump on True Social 
called Mitch McConnell a broken down hack and demanded he support the candidates. Longtime Republican strategist Carl Rove said Monday that he could understand where the minority leader's coming from, which is to say, we've got to pay attention to these races. Rove added that Trump is sitting on a war chest of $120 million, and the question is, is he going to deploy that on behalf of the candidates that he felt strong enough about to endorse? Well, of course he's not. Donald Trump never gives back money. He steals money. He doesn't give money. He doesn't even fucking pay his bills. Do you really think he's going to give this $120 million that he squirreled away to the Republicans? Not a fucking chance. Complaints, meanwhile, are building among Republicans that other millions raised in contributions have mysteriously vanished or been wasted as candidates move into the home stretch of the midterms. We're 75 days out, man. 74 days, something like that. They're running out of time. And the important thing to remember is that the Democrats have vastly outspent Republicans on campaigns in recent months. The Democrats have plenty of money. Why do they have plenty of money? Because there's people scared that the Republicans will take control and fuck up this country more. We saw the fear when Donald Trump got beat by 7 million votes in 2020. That fear is still there. They see a party like the Republicans who attempted to overthrow this government. Even some Republicans don't want any part of that shit, so that's why the Democrats are making so much money. Now, even though Trump's support doesn't seem to be winning the race for his candidates, the GOP and McConnell are not giving up the fight. The super PAC controlled by allies of McConnell, the Senate Leadership Fund, is specifically committing $28 million in a bid to to save hillbilly elegy author Vance, who's having a tough time raising funds. Republicans are expecting to spend a total of $193 on the GOP campaigns in the next months with Senate Leadership Fund, which could collect and spend unlimited sums as long as it does not directly coordinate with the campaigns, picking up 80% of the tabs. Democrats have booked $217 million worth of airtime. So they're kicking their ass. Absolutely kicking their ass. This is good to see. And this is an indicator as to where we're going toward the midterms. Democrats having no problem getting money. Republicans, they're having problems. And I have to think this situation in Ohio with J.D. Vance and uh, the Democrat Ryan, that should have been a give me a gimme for the Ohio for Ohio. That should have been a foregone conclusion that Ohio would win that with a Republican candidate. But that candidate, J.D. Vance, is so shitty. I don't care how much money they pour into it. The fact that this guy does fucking nothing, and when he does talk, he says some stupid shit. There's no way J.D. Vance is going to win on Ohio, and that is going to be a huge loss for the Republicans in the Senate. Now, here's something kind of interesting. I like to hear this. A number of top Fox News hosts and staffers are among the individuals who are slated to be deposed as part of Dominion Voting System's ongoing defamation lawsuit against Fox News. Yeah, it's easy to forget about that. There's a lot of other shit going on. We know they're suing Mike Lindell and and Sidney Powell, but they're also suing Fox News to the tune of $1.6 billion, which could ultimately shut that fucking company down. Now, Fox News host Tucker Carlson is set to face questions today from Dominion's lawyer, the New York Times reported with fellow primetime star Sean Hannity and former Fox host Lou Dobbs slated to be deposed next week. Other tops Fox personalities, including Janine Pirro, that drunk bitch, and Steve Ducey have already faced questions from Dominion's attorneys in the case, according to the Times and Fox News Media CEO Suzanne Scott and other top editorial leaders at the network are expected to be deposed in the coming weeks. Well, if they're deposing them, we're getting closer to going to trial. Now, some people might say, well, maybe they'll settle out of court. I don't think Dominion's going to do that. 
It's not even about the money for Dominion because they know they're not going to get the money. It's the principle of the thing. I think they want to crush Fox News, and that's exactly what they do. I'd be surprised if they settle out of court. And, I mean, let's think about it. Even if you do settle out of court, how do you offer anything reasonable compared to $1.6 billion? Do you do half of it? Do you do half of it and say, okay, um, we're going to do... 800 million, a million or a billion dollars. Is that what we're going to do? They can't do it. Fox News is screwed in this situation. Fox has moved to have the case dismissed on First Amendment grounds. And in June, a Delaware Superior Court judge ruled the case against Fox could proceed. Two weeks later, the network announced it had hired Dan Webb, a former U.S. attorney for the Northern District of Illinois, as part of its legal team fighting the lawsuit. Yeah, you better have a fucking good lawyer. No question about it. We are confident we will prevail as freedom of the press is the foundational to our democracy and must be protected. In addition to the damages, claims being outrageous, unsupported, and not rooted in sound financial analysis, serving as nothing more than a flagrant attempt to deter our journalists from doing their jobs, the network said in a statement. Well, first of all, You don't have one fucking journalist that works at that station. And I know this because when you've been sued before, they've as much as admitted that. Oh, we're just entertainers. No one would believe what we say. Now, they'll try to use that in this situation, but it's not going to work. This is fucking defamation. If you said something negative about a company, and they did... That's defamation. There's no way out of that. And they aren't going to get out of this lawsuit. Dominion's a big company, too. And they are going to run this up their ass so far that they won't know what hit them. I'm convinced Dominion wants to pretty much decimate the company and get rid of them. And they are in a position to do that. Now, even if they win the case, they probably won't get $1.6 billion. But again... Even if you give a partial award to them, (laughs) we're still talking um, half a billion dollars minimum. And I guarantee you, Fox News doesn't have a half a billion dollars just fucking laying around. People like Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, they're going to be looking for work elsewhere. And given what's happened to Fox News, people are going to be a little more careful about what they say on the air. Lying on the air is not a good thing. It's not good for business. And finally, they will prove that to them. And anybody else who thinks they're going to do it, they're going to learn a hard lesson when they watch what happens to Fox News. Not to mention Mike Lindell and uh, Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani. None of these people are going to be able to pay the damages when it's all said and done. So they will just fold up and die. That's what's going to happen. They'll have no options here. They will be screwed. And I just wanted to bring up one last thing before we wrap things up here. This past weekend, Mike Lindell said, oh, he's going to have a big show. He's going to be on 24 hours. He's got all the evidence. And he was very cocky and yapping about it. And then the day after he was supposed to reveal all this evidence, once again, he says, oh, all the media's screwing with me. I couldn't do it. They did this. They did that. They did this. How many times are people going to believe when Mike Lindell says, I've got the evidence, and then there's no evidence? Like we've said before, it's kind of like Lucy pulling the football away from Charlie Brown when he's going to try to kick it. It just happens over and over and over again. And these dumb fucks keep falling for it. I mean, there are people out there that think Mike, Mike Lindell is absolutely a genius and and second to God himself, meaning Donald Trump. I don't know where they get that from. He has done nothing but fail since he started yapping his mouth. And in the process, he's pretty much run his company, which was fairly successful for a time. He's run that fucker into the ground. But this guy isn't smart enough to shut his mouth. 
He keeps doubling down, tripling down, quadrupling down. And this man is going to go down in a ball of flames. No question about it. He can't survive this. He will not survive this. And then he'll whine and cry and talk about how he was mistreated and all this shit. But the sooner Mike Lindell is out of the picture and people shut him up, the fucking better for this country. All right, we are going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you very much for taking the time out of your day to listen to me rattle on. I appreciate it immensely. Again, the next show, I want you to listen to it. It's a different kind of show. Talking to a psychologist, uh, Pete Corey from Australia. It's interesting, and uh, I think you'll find it interesting. Take a listen. Let me know. I hope you have a great day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.